Blog Talk Radio. This is One on One with Jasper Cole, Hollywood's bad guy, and so much more. Actor, talent manager, producer, and more. Now he's sitting down with today's top newsmakers from entertainment, politics, pop culture, and beyond. This is One on One with Jasper Cole. Howdy, 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 everyone, and welcome to One-on-One with Jasper Cole. This is your host, Mr. Jasper Cole, and we are coming to you live from Palm Springs, California. We apologize for having technical difficulties again this week. Um, I am back on my phone, but I want to make sure that my trusted co-host is with me. Please welcome Ralph Cole, Jr., No applause. Are you there? No, no applause. Hi, how are you? Fine. Hi, Ralph. I was waiting. Pause. Oh, the applause didn't go on. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Hello, my darling. I don't. How are you? Everything is going well. Rose and I are fine. Everything is status quo. There seems to be light at the end of this pandemic tunnel, so I am just keeping optimistic. Well, listen, we are all hanging in there. I have to apologize again. I, I went to log on, and this time I had a message that said, Internet connection is not working on the, on the blog talk. So it's not us. It's the system. I see. Yeah, but that's Okay. Um, everyone bears with us. So I'm going to give you your applause, everyone. Ralph Cole, Jr. There you are. I'm effervescent. Get used to it. Yes, indeed. Jasper Ralph, we're in the house. And we're ready to have a great interview with a fierce actor. Yes, we're going to be joined in about 20 minutes from Ben with Ben Vasquez, actor extraordinaire, who uh, just finished filming his reoccurring role on the new AMC series Lace. And he plays Officer Garcia. And he's going to tell us, he'll be calling in from hot Atlanta where he lives, and um, so exciting. He's just been on, you know, it's been over a year and a few months since he left and moved to Atlanta, and it's been the best thing for him ever. He has, I just got good simples. Ben has such a great outlook on life. Um, I was just watching his Instagram, him leaving the gym. Of course, I want to ask him, were people wearing masks in the gym at all? And, you know, because I'm binary like that. And, uh, but he, he was saying as he was walking out of the gym, just got to keep working, guys. Just, woo, it's another day. Just got to keep working. And I like that, that stick-to-itiveness and that, like, even though a lot of it is grunt work and, you know, you have to go through your paces of exercise, you just do it. It's like you and I stepping every day and you working out. So religiously, it's like we just can't stop. It's something that our human body makes us drive forward. And 
to that point, that is why so many human beings on planet Earth uh, either chose to move forward or <clears throat> chose to move forward during this pandemic and make the best of it as we could. You know, we still have a long way to go, but I'm getting closer to the point where I'll feel more comfortable because now that the the vaccines are more prevalent and and more accessible. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have just had a complete shift in ever since a week ago getting that vaccine. Psychologically, for me, I feel just 100% better. I mean, of course, I'm cautious. But I'm really doing all my research, and I'm watching as much as I can and following how they – I just saw a study today that they did out of 15,000 people who've gotten the vaccine. So far, only seven have tested positive again after getting the vaccine, and none of them got sick. So it shows that the vaccine vaccine is preventing illness, whether they got the – Do you recall which vaccine it was or – it, it was kind difference. of a combination of just all three. The data was based on I all see. three vaccines. Um, Copy that. But that's great news. And I saw today that the the death rates the death rates have plummeted. I mean, the cases people are still getting it, and they're getting infected, but the number of deaths have gone way, 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 way down, which tells us that oh, the vaccine is working. Well, that's so encouraging. So I hope. Next month or next week, when they let all Californians um, get be allowed to get vaccinated, I hope there's just a surge of people wanting to do it. And and hopefully there'll be the the vaccines available. You know that's that's always the problem, is hopefully the the they'll have the supply and it won't run out. So right. But the good thing about yeah. Biden, you know, Biden administration, he has said 100 million in 100 days. Well, now he upped it today to 200 million. And he's on track to make that easily. So, oh, my God, Ralph, just another example. If Trump had been reelected, it, we would just be – it would have just oh been a shit God. show. It would have been so, so, so demoralizing and so very, very scary. I mean, times are scary enough, but exactly to, what you, to the point you just made, it would have been horrible. I really prayed so hard during the elections, during all the voting – to my God, that it just has to change. It has to, has to change because a planet can't go through this. A society cannot go through this again. So we're very, very fortunate. And he, Biden's already talking about running again in 2024. And um, uh, wait, is that the right? Wait, 2021, 20, yes. Uh, 20, yeah, yeah, 2024. Mm-hmm. And he wants to bring Kamala along with him. So <clears throat> let's all hope for the best. But which, to your point, it's just that's why there's light at the end of this pandemic tunnel. Before, there was never any light. It was just like, you guys, what are we going to do? And I applaud you, Jasper, and all the actors that soldiered through and worked through the pandemic and through the worst part of the pandemic and came out unscathed. So – my hats are off to you guys. Um, it's very valiant. It shows a lot of people. If it can be done during a pandemic, then hopefully it can be done when it's post-pandemic. You know, and well, I thank you. I, I have paid. to give. I give. I give full credit to all these to the unions. I give full credit to the produ- the production companies. I mean, I, as I've said to you before, I 
was so impressed with the way how quickly our industry in particular had to sort of galvanize and pull it together, you know, and get these protocols together. Um, and so far I was reading an article. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying this is by no means diminishing people who have died, but in our industry, since we started back to work, no crew member or actor has died from COVID while working. That's a blessing. But, yeah, I mean, that's just something that we all are, you know, we all are blessed Jasper? to have. That Yes, Ralph, I was just saying that. Um, Can you hear me? That. Uh-huh. Can you hear us? Ralph? Jasper? Yes. Or can you hear us? Ralph? Hello? Hello? Are you there? You're trying to talk to me. Okay. I can't hear you. Oh, hold well, on, Ralph. I'm not sure what happened. Yeah, can you hear me, Ralph? Huh. This is strange, guys. Well, I know we're having so many technical problems. I'm going to have Ralph hopefully call back in. Um, but anyway, what I was saying is it's just a blessing that we have not had any deaths that, that, that can be directly uh, attributed to getting sick or getting infected while working on a TV or film. So that's a blessing. Um, and, again, you know, we're just excited to see how progress is being made and people are excited about doing getting the vaccines and it looks like different states are opening it up to everybody which is very exciting so um we're just going to hang in there and i'm so impressed with what president biden is doing what his entire administration is doing the way they've you know galvanized around everything um let's see if we can get ralph back on yes i'm back what ha- ralph, i just lose my phone have you been on the You're whole time? You're back now. Yeah, yeah that's okay. I've been talking. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I saw that you, you dropped and then you came back and you dropped again. Yeah, so hopefully it'll but, sound. I'm sitting in the same place as always. Hmm. That's fine. I was just saying that uh, I just reiterated that, you know, it's a blessing that so far statistically no actor or crew member has died from infection while working from COVID during any production. So that's a blessing. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. There's something I'd like to bring up and it's just because I'm binary, but I wanted you to talk me through this. So I'm referring to a sitcom show. Well, wait a minute. And you're, you're, this is like, this is like Helen Keller asking Stevie Wonder to help him. Go ahead. Why? You're so smart with all this stuff. no, no, I mean because we're both binary, so I'm going to be the less binary one right now. Okay. Oh, right. Well, you're less binary than I am. Okay. Sometimes. Well, so I'm watching a sitcom, and there are seven actors on stage, and the premise of the scene was two of the actors work in the diner, and the other five actors are patrons in the diner. But the two actors that play the employees are wearing masks, and the rest of the actors are not. 
And then as the scene progresses, as patrons enter the diner, they take their coats and mask off. And I just watched that getting like, okay, these are mixed signals for America because it's like you're treating the mask like it's a raincoat type of thing, like, oh, you've just come in from outside, so now you remove your mask. I'm thinking that's really when you should be putting it on because you're about to go into a (laughs) diner, into an enclosed place with people. And it was just – it just struck me as weird as how – one actor was sitting at a dining table, another actor was sitting at a dining table without masks, and then the waitress comes over to them wearing a mask. So it's, I, I don't see any kind of consistency there, and I just wanted to get your take on that, how you, how you justify that from a producer's standpoint. And so let me ask you, when you so it's not even like they, they got to the table and they took their mask off. Like as they're giving their coat. Like, here's my hat, here's my coat, and here's my mask. Right. And, and, and when the scene opened, before the patrons from outside came in, the other diners in the, in the cafe were all unmasked. So it opened with them unmasked. It opened with the lead actress who works in the diner coming over to a customer pouring him coffee or something while she was wearing the mask and he was not. Right. Well, that is, okay, even though you and I have not gone to a restaurant during that time, that, I mean, that is how it happens. The, 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 the workers wear their masks the whole time. The patrons are supposed to wear, well, see, it depends on what state you're in. But, like, if you're in a state where it's a mask mandate, you're supposed, because even, like, now that they've opened inside dining, which is so, this is stupid to me, too, you're supposed to keep your, you're supposed to wear your mask inside, sit down at the table, but as soon as you get to your table, you can take your mask off, which to me is silly because what's the difference, right? But this sounds like right. it's even worse because it sounds like they didn't even wait till they got to their table to take it off. They just took it off on the way in the door. Right. Yeah, I that's just wrong. thought, you know, it's just a- it's a sitcom, and, you know, I'm making too much out of it, but it's just, it was just a little disconcerting to me because I'm still so hyper-paranoid, you know, and I'm still wearing a double mask and a face shield the times that I have go out because I just feel like we've gotten this far unscathed, and I want the vaccine to be totally in our systems. You know, you and I, on March 31st, our J&J vaccine should have reached maximum efficacy but then help me with one this. more week then i did one more week but then i heard read somewhere that in after 28 days there was some statistic i don't want to get this wrong but it was something like in 28 days after the j and j vaccine you would be like a hundred percent not going to the hospital or not dying maybe that goes along with what you just said those findings about the people that got the vaccine but didn't get sick. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think each one, like the Moderna and the Pfizer, you know, they have a 28-day, uh, you know, it takes longer. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's – I just look at this like the flu shot. You know, the flu shot the, – the thing I like about the flu shot, 
I never felt, I've never felt a flu shot was going to prevent me from getting the flu. I felt that when I got the flu, it would not be as bad. So the way I look at, see, I, I'm not expecting this vaccine to prevent me from absolutely never getting COVID. I believe that if I got COVID, it won't be a big deal because of the vaccine. That's right. how that's how it really that's how you have to sort of reframe your thoughts around it. It's never you're never your binary self is never going to have it's never going to you're not going to have the ability to say I can't get covid because I had the vaccine. That's not that's never going to happen. I know yeah. that's what confuses me because people are planning to have memorial day parties. And I'm like well, oh, oh, they're planning to have fully vaccinated Memorial Day parties. But if mm-hmm. you're in a setting with 150 people, let's say, and you're outside even, let's say, you're in someone's, like, they're giving a garden party, are we safe to intermingle without masks on? Well, see, again, when they, they say we are, but it's just too – people have to understand – we have to give science time. You know, there has to be time to test things. And so I'm not going to go without a mask, even if I'm in, even if I'm in with a bunch of people. I mean, here's the thing. I'm not concerned now about dying from COVID. That's the key. I don't – I know I'm 100% sure that I'm not going to die from COVID. I may get sick from COVID, but this vaccine is going to prevent me from dying from it. Just like right. you get the flu, it's just not going to be so bad. So that's what I'm saying. I'm not afraid of getting COVID now because I don't feel that it's going to be that bad. That's how I look right. at it. It's just like I get the flu shot and I don't, I don't think, I, oh, my God, I can't. Although I have to tell you, I haven't gotten the full-on flu from after I've gotten the flu shot. But I've gotten viruses. I mean, I've gotten sick, you know, but um, I think that's where I, I think that's the misnomer. Yeah, I just think that's the misnomer that people can't look at this vaccine as a as a preventative. It's a prophylactic, and it can it mainly can decrease the symptoms and the severity. I think. Well, right. I have always understood that. I never thought it was 100% like I would never get the virus. But my question is, okay, well, you've already answered it. When, when are you going to feel – when do, should we feel safe to remove our mask when we're with other people who are allegedly fully vaccinated, you know, without being tested? Well, see, I feel, you know I I mean? feel safe even if – I feel safe if I'm with someone who hasn't been vaccinated. Because I've been vaccinated. They're the ones that should be concerned, not me. See, they're they're the ones that should be concerned. Why would we be concerned? Because we can still get it. But it won't be as bad. I see. Okay. You see what I mean? Because, see, you're still – you say you're trying – you say that you don't think it – you still are – subconsciously, you still want it to be 100%. But, see, it's not going to be. But I know that it's not. I, I totally know it's not 100% because the Johnson & Johnson vaccine in itself reaches 72 to 85% 
efficacy, is that the right word, you know, as compared to Moderna and Pfizer. So, yeah, I, I'm just wondering but that, that, when I'll – But that's just to, pre- that's to prevent it, but it, it's pretty much close to 100 to prevent uh, death and hospitalization. Yeah. And we're, yeah. we're all still going to be getting heavily COVID tested on sets like you have been, correct? That's not yeah. You see, I don't know. I I don't know what's going to happen. We may just have to present a vaccination card, and if we've been vaccinated, we may not get tested. I I have no idea. I haven't heard yet how that's going to work. That's like the next phase. But I think I for now, I think people are people are still doing the testing. But they should be because even though you're vaccinated, that doesn't mean that you can't have the virus. You can get vaccinated and contract the virus after the vaccination. Oh, you already said that. Seven people did that. Yeah, but they didn't get sick. But they they didn't get sick. Right, but could they still pass it on? Well, it doesn't matter if it doesn't shut down production. That's all that they Mm -hmm. care about. If they don't get sick and they shut down, as long as no one's dying and going to the hospital – it's like saying you've got the herpes virus, but you don't have an outbreak. I mean, what, what difference does it make? I see. You know, so, like, if we went to a set now and got tested and we were positive and then said, oh, but I'm vaccinated, you'd still have to leave the set, right? See, I don't know. That's the next phase. I don't know. This is a whole new chapter now. And I think until more people – are able to get vaccinated, that's something they're going to have to – we're going back, you know, we're supposed to go back next month on season four of uh, the family business. So that'll be – it'll be interesting in a month from now to see how that works. You right, know, that's a good point. How that's going and to like be. you said, to your point, you can't rush science. That was always the big sticky wicket. Like, how are we getting this vaccine so fast? That's why so many people were – leery and hesitant to get the vaccine at first because it's like, well, you all just made it like in three weeks. Like, you know, what are the side effects? Well, actually, I mean, people have to understand they, they've been working on these vaccines for years. You know, don't forget Johnson and Johnson is the Ebola vaccine. It's our, mm-hmm. what you and I got is not an, it's not a new vaccine. Ours has been around for years and years and years figured out it works against the uh, COVID virus. I see. That's what I wow. like about the Johnson & Johnson. But listen, speaking of, it's time to bring on our special guest, and I'll be interesting. Yes, Ben Vasquez, who's coming up, can tell us how it's been living in Georgia because, you know, they were – it's been the wild, wild west there long before we um, we just started opening up here. So without further ado, please welcome – All right. Thank you you so much. Hey, Ben, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you two doing? We're good. Say hello, Ralph. Hey, Ben, I just want to start you off. There's a lag when we talk because we're on our phones, so just be aware that when we all talk and take a pause, that might be why, because we're listening for the lag to go away. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Now, Ben, Um, what I want to say to you is 
First of all, I am super excited to meet you. Like I said to Lance Ball last week, even though it's only via telephone, I am glad to know you. Uh, <clears throat> I would like to thank you for being attentive to my post on Instagram and just watching your story and your journey, what I know of it, and we're all planet Earth or we're all going to hear about it from you. You're just such an uplifting guy. And just throughout everything, the hard work of lifting weights and, and maintaining the physique that you do, all the hard work and dieting that that takes, you do it with a smile on your face, and it's just really nice to see. No, I appreciate that. And, you know, as far as social media, <clears throat> excuse me, social media goes, I try to um, support as many people as possible that are always providing value such as yourself, and it's very important for me to be able to try to continue to uplift individuals that are always trying to spread that positivity. So I will always try to be attentive to all of that you post in that way. So you're more than welcome, and I appreciate that I'm connected with you as well. Um, to be Thank honest you, with you, yes, to be honest, I, I love to work out. Um, it's something that I, I do not just for my physicality and staying in shape and healthy and strong, but also for my mental health. That's the primary um, reason. So I would like to stress that it's, it's something to help relieve my stress and help me kind of reset myself. Okay, good. Well, listen, I wanted to, we're going to jump around tonight because there's so much to talk about with Ben because Ben is truly a hyphenate. When I say that, I mean, not just being the actor and the bodybuilder, but he's also a, a licensed psychotherapist. He's a military veteran. So I have so much I want to I want to talk about. But first of all, I just want to say congratulations on on your role, uh, Officer Garcia, on Lace. Tell everyone how that was. How was the shooting last couple weeks? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, it was great. It really was great. The crew from hairstylist all the way up, director, producer, were all very welcoming, um, easy to work with, and such a great vibe from everyone. It was it was great. Um, director Jamal Hill was fun. He was great. The producer, Angela White. Um, there's so many to, to name and to list. But to be honest, you couldn't tell who was who as far as what status yeah. they were because everyone acted the same. Um, so it was a really great experience. Well, I can say that Natasha Ward, shout out to her because she's a big fan of your work. And um, everyone, I can say, you know, Ben and I started working together uh, two years ago, I guess. I don't, <laughs> a, little can, a little longer, yeah. And, I mean, I have to tell you guys, you know, Ben is an example of, and I think it comes from his military discipline background too. You know, Ben has approached this acting career like, like he probably has a bodybuilding competition or, you know, it's, it's just been 100% and, and being very strategic. And when we talk about, you know, him thinking about moving to Atlanta, it, again, it was always with the idea of let me get to a market where, you know, I can stand out more. And then even going more with this Hispanic side of his heritage, which I think, again, has put him in this great lane you know i talk to actors a lot about creating your lane and knowing what your type is but i mean the fact being that you literally packed up and left and drove to atlanta you know and it's only been what 15 months 
Yeah. It was de- December 23rd I arrived in Georgia last year. Right. Like literally like three months before the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. But what you've been able to accomplish, I mean, in – first of all, you bought a new home. You, you know, you're blessed to have this great uh, career with your job that allows you to – to work anywhere, which is which is amazing, and I wanted to, if you don't mind, just talking about when you're, when you were growing up. When did you did you get the acting bug early on as a kid? Yeah, um, actually, I was in junior high school, and my next door neighbor, the renowned Curtis Lavelle, is a was an is an escape artist, um, and I was in Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. Actually, it was Whitehall, Ohio. And he was a performer, and he was in high school, and he started his own business in high school back in the 90s. Um, and he would practice outside the apartment. And I was curious, and he said, hey, you know, you're a perfect small size. I could put you in a box, and we could do a, a metamorphosis, and I could chop you in half. I'm like, okay. So sure enough, I, I was great at it. I mean – took some athleticism, but I was great at it. So I started performing with him um, on the streets at the fine arts festivals in Columbus downtown, um, at promotional events for Coca-Cola and Ford and different things. And it kind of hit me then that I just enjoyed it. Well, you know, Ralph, here's an example, right? We always talk about everybody's showbiz journey is different. I mean, this is the first, I think this is the first I've heard, you know, of a, of a kid being sort of a escape artist, assist, you know, a sidekick. Um, but that I was know, your, like, first, I just love that, that was your foray into. That's his first foray into performing. I love it. I know. It's like, you're small enough to put into a box, and I can saw you in half, too. <laughs> now, can you, so Ben, can you imagine in today's climate, right? So here you are, you're the kid, the neighbor next door is talking about putting a kid in a box. And so social services would be called immediately. (laughs) You know, everybody is suspect of everybody now. So that's so funny. But so that was really like you got, you got the bug, you got bitten in with sort of the, oh, look, I can get attention. I can get applause. You know, I'm performing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the the funny thing was it, um, Something that many people don't know is I have a speech impediment where I stutter. So I was made fun of all the time. I got it from, believe it or not, you two are going to laugh because you will know what I'm talking about and most don't. Max Headroom on MTV. Of course. I would mimic Max Headroom. And I started doing it so much that I believe I created a stutter from it. Oh, my God. Would you know how parents would tell us, like, Parents will tell us, like, if you, you know, stop doing that, it's going to, you know, stop crossing your eyes. They're never going to uncross again, stuff like that. And this one happened. Yeah. Well, what I was saying is, you know, I was made fun of a lot um, as a child. Um, Thankfully, I was not the ugliest guy on the block, and I was pretty athletic, so that helped me in that status. However, uh, having that speech impediment, people wanted to hear me talk, and they would come up to me randomly and say, say something. And being able Mm. to express myself – through my physicality or my facial expressions um, and, and draw some attention other than, like I said, the only other way that would occur is if I was 
um, playing sports. Um, but that was my outlet. And even to this day, I stutter. So it's always been an obstacle for me, but I've always learned to just work with it. And it hasn't really impacted at all my work. So I'm really thankful for that. Well, then you must really, um, President Biden, you know, you must have really related to his journey with being a stutterer and also how he's, you know, overcome it and been able to to use it and help so many other people. Do you find in your other line of work being the therapist, have, have you encountered that? Do you also talk to, you know, teenagers? Do you have clients that are younger that have dealt with, that are dealing with stuttering? So I have, most of my clients currently are, are between 80 and 40. 40 right now, most of them. Um, I don't work with okay. anyone under 18 at this time. I do have a current client that had a stroke recently, and she has uh, a, a stutter, if you will call it that, due to her stroke. It um, mm. causes her a lot of frustration just trying to get out a word um, or recall a word that she's trying to remember. But just me explaining to her that it's okay because I stutter and I, I'm okay and I can wait and I can assist, it really put her at ease, you know. It's all about mm-hmm. showing that connection. And that empathy is really where it's always at. Um, but I, I do work with some individuals that have similar type of things. Um, but I also have difficulty saying my name. The letter B sticks to me a lot. So just when mm. I introduce myself, when I introduce myself, it's difficult for me. And they tend to laugh and say, did you forget your name? And I just laugh and I say, you know, I actually have a speech impediment. I stutter and it's always a task to say my name. Um, and then it, it's and then they feel story. like they I, feel like killing themselves. After the you sure. that, and, then, <laughs> and I think that was a big part of it, right? Is showing transparency right off the bat, is and educating is very helpful versus trying to hide it. Then they just get left with that thought that what was wrong with him. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's nice about it, the way you, what's nice about it when you do it that way, you know, it disarms them, and you're also show, and you're not doing it in anger. So it's like one, it disarms them, and they feel like they don't feel like such a douchebag. And then they they can see that you're you've got a good a good handle on it, which is great. Um, a lot of times, because of my voice, they assume I'm in my 20s. So imagine being 70, 80, talking to someone who thinks 20 years old. Like, what really can they provide me at that young of an age? So if I start mm-hmm. the conversation off with a stutter that I'm not confident, I'm I'm hesitant, then they already puts in their mind that it validates their thought possibly that this guy isn't ready or can't handle me. So. I have to clear that away right away, and um, it usually goes really well. I connect really well with individuals. Well, I have to thank you again because I know you, and like me, a lot of days you spend your you spend your days talking all day long. So the fact that you're, you know, that you're there's energy left to talk to us tonight. I really appreciate it because you're at the sort of the end of your work night over there in in Atlanta. So thank you again. Um, talk to us about. What was your, as an adult, what was your first acting experience after you, was it when you moved to, because you lived in L.A. early on. You moved to L.A. early at one point, right? Correct. Um, When I discharged from the the Army in 2007, I made a choice to get out and to pursue uh, my dream that I put on the back burner, which was to act. 
And the funny story is I put that on the back burner thinking that being an actor, I would never have a family because it was so much going on. And then my wife would be jealous and all these things. So I was like, you know, I don't know what to do. I ended up going to the military and almost died a couple of times after my two years in Iraq. And I said, you know, before I die, I need to, I need to go back to what I wanted to do. <laughs> so um, right. I did move out. I ended up in West Hollywood initially for a few months. And then I ended up in Santa Monica for a little over a year and a half. And like mm-hmm. everything, you know, that that was at a time when you you sort of had to be in in the in LA. You know, now thank God because of everything with self taping and you can kind of be anywhere in the country. But you know, it, don't you? It's, so for young actors or actors out there listening, you know, it tells you two things: like it's never too late to pursue your dreams, and also talk to us about how it's been being well you're in like hollywood south anyway right now you know atlanta is so thrive is thriving in the entertainment business but yeah how's it been for you how are you loving that part of the country yeah i spent some time out here in 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 boot camp and the military and through my training so i and i have some family here shout out to tasty donuts in canton georgia um my cousin owns yes a um, a boutique uh, donut shop, custom and amazing. That I actually worked there when I moved here because I was willing to walk away from this job as a therapist when I packed my car and left. Um, mm-hmm. They were going to let me go. They were going to let me go April first, and so I was, that was fine with me. I was going to just work with my cousin at a donut shop, decorating donuts from 4 a.m. to noon, and I I was doing that when I moved here, um, and working my job on Arizona time afterwards, but. Yeah, so I've been loving it here. Um, since the beginning of this year, I've had probably 30 auditions. <laughs> um, yeah, and I know yeah. the market's not really open yet, but for me, that's huge from what I, I have experienced prior. Um, I feel like since I've engaged here, I've connected with a lot of quality individuals in the industry, have a lot of great training um, with Sarah Mornell and Mornell Studios. I've been training with them ongoing. It's changed the game for me tremendously. Um, my headshots with Josh Stringer. Shout out to Josh Stringer, you guys. If you need headshots, he's the man. He elevated my game. Great headshots. Yeah, but I've loved the energy here. I mean, even with a lot of things going on, um, there's been a lot of good positivity and good people. So it's been a great shift for me. Yeah, go ahead, Ralph. Oh, you can hear me breathing. Um, Ben. I was watching well, yeah. your Instagram before you <laughs> before you came on air, uh, uh, watching you leave the gym, and I was just curious, um, what's the mask wearing situation there? Yeah, so the private, it's, it's a smaller private gym I go to. I do not have to wear a mask in that facility. Um, we do have to keep our distance as much as possible. And I, I don't know as far – I know when I go to L.A. Fitness, we do wear our masks the whole time in that uh, facility. So a majority of the facilities do encourage masks. A lot of public places, um, eateries and things, depending on where you're at, up in Woodstock where I'm at, it's not mandatory, but the grocery stores are mandatory. Um, but, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer for me. It's You just you just do it. You just do it, you know. Um, right. Everyone's going to do what everyone's gonna do what they're going to do, and that is what it is. We can't control that. So – um, but yeah, that's kind of the situation. I see. Thank you. Do, um, mm-hmm. do, are you getting, are you going to be vaccinated? You know what? I haven't 
and, and I'm still, it's up in the air. I know I, I have the ability to, whether it's through the VA or through being a healthcare worker, um, all my ties are still with my job in Arizona. So it's kind of different for me since I'm working remotely from there. Um, mm-hmm. So I haven't really made any movements on it because, again, I don't really go anywhere from the gym to the house. So I'm not in a hurry. Right. <laughs> uh, and a part of me is like, you know what, I haven't had a flu shot since I can remember, and I haven't been sick for years. Um, so I'm not in a hurry, to be honest. Right. Do have you have do you have any clients who are dealing with COVID? Um, I've had multiple clients with, with with it actively. They had family that passed due to it. Um, it's been a there's been a tremendous increase in in clientele with uh, just at least anxiety disorder specifically due to mm-hmm. the pandemic. Um, anxiety is something most of all of us right experience, but on different levels. So. Um, it's it's definitely been a big 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 increase for individuals. Right. Yeah. I I mean it's interesting how COVID has been positive in many many ways. You know, we talk about how it's caused us to reframe and really take a second look at things. And then on the other hand, uh, the anxiety levels and the depression levels have gone up as well. And I wanted to ask you, as a former military person. I don't want to get political or anything, but the whole thing with the the horrible shootings, you know, the the Atlanta and then Boulder yesterday, you know, there's always this thing about gun control versus mental health and and the two together. I mean, what is your take as a, as both a military guy who's who's been around guns obviously and then as a therapist and just a a, a person? What do you what is what do you think is the answer? Is it banning the assault rifles? Is it more background checks or a combination of both? I don't know if there is a specific answer. Um, I will say my father always taught me that my 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 fists are the only weapons I ever needed um, <laughs> after years of martial mm-hmm. arts, right? Um, but even through the military, I was never a big fan of uh, firearms. A lot of my 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 former veterans are. Um, and then I say to the question of, I think slowing it by, by giving some type of uh, more strict, um, protocol, right. To get your hands right. on it. However, people that are going to do harm are going to do it regardless, to be honest. Um, they're going to get their hands on what they need. So I just mm-hmm. think it'll slow it down. Right. Cause the individual recently in Atlanta, I believe purchased the firearms a day of the, 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 the um, shootings. Right. That's just quick right. access. Um, but I know individuals who have told me that they purchased things on like the black market that met someone at the gas station and got it right there too. So there's mm-hmm. always going to be these ways to cause harm if people are intending to do it. Um, but will it slow it down and make it more difficult if more things are put in place? I believe so. But at the same time, then, you're, then it's impeding on these individuals who fear uh, their rights being taken away right and having the right to bear arms right. and things and it's that mass punishment that corporate punishment it's like okay because there's some bad season you want to take from us but those same individuals are the ones that fear um that you know the government or someone right mm-hmm. is going to try to take their livelihood in general and i need to be able to protect myself so there's that fear with that not just i'm going to have my right but it, that that fear of i need to be able to protect me and my family because the world is kind of <laughs> doing its thing right well. uh, so it's a combination of a lot of yeah different i mean variables. 
It's interesting because, you know, up until 2004 when uh, Bush lifted the ban on assault rifles, I mean, it statistically shows, I mean, the the mass shootings and the deaths almost have tripled since the ban was lifted. Um, and I think, like you said, if, a, if someone wants to really kill you, they can take a knife and, you know, and they can still shoot you with a, with a shotgun or a pistol, but it's just those. I mean, listen, as an actor, I've had to shoot these these fake auto, you know, rifles, automatic rifles, like it's, they're fake, but they're real, you know? And so it's, um, it's amazing when you're shooting these things, how many rounds go, you know, it's like almost like you just barely touch the trigger and it just goes. So there's got to be some combination of banning them and tightening the loopholes and hopefully taking some of the stigma and the shame off of uh, mental illness. So, but if everyone, if anyone's joining us right now, we're we're talking to actor Ben Vasquez. He plays Officer Garcia in the new upcoming series Lace on AMC, it, and it used to be UMC, and they've rebranded it to All Black. And um, as you know, I was a producer on the on Bronx SIU. I love that company. I love that network. Uh, you're in great hands. My my client Rodney Van Johnson is also on the series. I, I hope maybe you two can work together uh, down the line, Ben, as well. Yeah, I definitely foresee that happening, definitely. I mean, just being in in the good arms I was in and reconnecting, there might have been a little hint thrown at me that Officer Garcia uh, needs to come back for season two, but we'll see. Oh, yeah. I think I – think, Let's say when they get picked up, I think Officer Garcia will be will be coming back for sure. Um, so talk to us. What else? What tell everyone? Well, actually, if you want to follow Ben's on Instagram, it's very easy at Ben Vasquez uh, underscore, and um, that's pretty much the best place to follow you, right? Yeah, absolutely. You do everything on Instagram. Um, well, back to what Ralph was talking about with the working out. You know, we all three, the three of us have all come from a fitness background in different forms and variations. Um, for me, me and Ralph both years ago started out uh, back in the aerobics days. You know, we both taught exercise and led classes or whatever. And I often say for me that was sort of a way of <laughs> of performing as well, of, you know, leading the class and but like you said, for me, it's, it's working out for me is just like something I have to do. It's a nice side benefit that you can look good from it. But I know when I don't work out, it's I feel the psychological effect of it. Absolutely, 100%. That's the two best things you could do um, for anyone suffering, especially from sadness, depression, anything like that, is one, to stay active, and two, stay connected to some type of support system whether it's an animal, a friend, or whatever it is that provides you support, those are the two best things you could do. So by at least engaging in at least one of those things, you're kind of – you're doing well for yourself. Right. Um, what, do you, what is your take – I don't mean to make this about uh, therapy the whole time, but since, but since we have a therapist on, no, what is your – how do you feel about, you know, antidepressants and anxiety medications? Yeah, um, 
seen I've seen it I've seen it do well for people. I've seen it not do well. I think it comes down to what the quality of life the individual has, where it's at, and how is the depression impeding on that. But I always mm-hmm. would prefer, you know, learning skills, doing everything you can right. first, behaviorally and mentally, before you use some type of chemical to change that. Some people it, m- it might be necessary, um, depending on where they're at and what kind of depression is it. But there's also the other um, disorders that are more um, possibly intense, if you would say, such as bipolar, schizophrenia, right. things of nature where right. medication is really helpful to kind of keep them at a more stable state. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I always try to uh, um, stick with something without medication if possible first, for sure, because, you know, a lot of people re- uh, respond differently to different medications. So a lot of times these clients have to go through trial and error, and it's just it's mm-hmm. a task. If some when they take medication right away, they're getting this suicidal thought, suicidal ideations, and it's just worse than they've ever had. And they're like, I don't want that. And then they don't want right. to take meds at all. Right. When it's not that the meds are bad, it's just that one doesn't react to you well. So they sometimes have to try to stick with it and find what works. A lot of people don't want to do that. Find what works. Like, not doing it. And so they kind of stay in that depressed state. And so it's kind of, it's a task. Well, you know, there's this, what is your take also, you know, in the entertainment industry, and it, it's always been sort of a, a, quote, stigma, but yet it's just kind of been out there that a lot of us who pursue this career are in many ways um, trying to make up for something in our childhood or we're trying to fill a void or, you know, I, these are all stereotypes that we hear about. I, I always make the joke and I say, in order, if you choose to be in this kind of business, you know, you have to be a little masochistic. But I always say it's like who, who can kind of tame the beast the best? Um, mm-hmm. What is your take on that? As I mean, we all have to agree that the amount of rejection that we face in this business is something most people can't deal with. Yeah, I agree. And uh, that word uh, insecurities kept popping in my head as you were saying what you were saying. And, um, and and for me, a lot of those things root in that, whether it's performing for whatever reason or even fitness, right? We Insecurities, you know, these things come up. But it's not just that, right? I mean, for me specifically, it's about me wanting to touch lives for the better by, by telling stories. Um, mm-hmm. And just to put a little transparency, right, I didn't know this until um, later in, in, in my adulthood, but my father, he was a single father with my, my, my older brother and myself, and he was never there. I was pretty much raised on the streets, you know, playing sports till lights went out and just doing my thing, staying at friend's house for weeks on end. I just I didn't go home because there's no one there. Um, and I found out later in life that my dad would always go to the movies because that was the only way he knew how to cope. He didn't know what to do as a father with two sons and barely making wow. it. So he had to... He had to reset himself and keep his mental state as clear as possible by engaging in movies. And so later it hit me thinking, like, I want to be able to provide that for others just like it provided for my father. Um, mm. And so that's very interesting because there's a lot of reasons. And anyone could say, yeah, I have a um, story as a child, right? It fits that narrative or insecurity or I just need attention or it, it doesn't really matter what it is as long as this individual is coming with the um, the right intentions and and living their best life, you know. Um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm right. at with that. Well, that's fascinating. That's an amazing story. That full circle with your 
your dad, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's true. A lot of people will tell me, oh, you know, because I'll sometimes say, well, we're just actors. We're not, you know, it's not rocket scientists or we're not curing cancer. And, you know, people will say, Jasper, you know, you guys provide a service. And I'm thinking, well, with the kind of parts I play, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering, do I, <laughs> am I helping <laughs> their mental state or am I hurting their mental state? But, um, yeah. But that is true. It's a form of escape escapism. Now I'm going to pay Ralph a compliment, so he's going to perk up now all of a sudden. But <laughs> when we were going back to like, <laughs> when we were going back to talking about making up for things, Ralph is one of the few, and there are actors, but Ralph had a Ralph has one of the most solid sense of himself, uh, even balanced confidence level. You know. He he really did have a great childhood. Um, my my friend and producing partner Denise is another example of people who they don't. I remember like for instance when Denise was first acting and she would go to a class and you know how they go well you got to really dig deep and like think of some traumatic experience from her childhood and she would call me and she's like uh, Jasper I really don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> and it it was kind of like you know everything's relative right but but so so there are people like Ralph Denise probably Meryl Streep uh not everybody had some horror you know horrific uh, childhood that they pull from like with Ralph Ralph just has a it's just a joy and I think he Ralph you get a joy from performing right I love it yeah yeah, and it's so exciting. You know, just listening to you, Ben, talking about, you know, and there's a rumor Officer Garcia might be coming back. That just is such – it's so exciting. And I know as actors, we, you know, that's not money in the bank until it's money in the bank, but it's always nice to hear that because they did not have to say that, <laughs> you know. So, um with all of that said, yeah, it's a joy. I like to perform, and I realized that at a young age, too, like you were in a box, Ben, um, because you were small-framed, and I'm an only child, and I was dancing all up in my room like Gilda Radner used to do from Saturday Night Live. So I've always been happy-go-lucky, and I'm not a Pollyanna. You know, like I can be bitter and sad and scared and all of those things, too. But, yeah. I love performing. I just I've never really and, been able And Ralph, to ask you're going to reoccur on uh Two and a Half Men, right? <laughs> they're, yeah, and they're doing the remake of it. Yes, they're doing they're, they're still waiting the to they're gonna they're they're calling any day now, right? Yeah, they're doing a remake of it. It's gonna be called Five Men now. It's like twice the show twice of what the last show was. And uh, I, it's I just five want to make sure if 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 Chuck Lorre is listening, I just want you, him to know you're still waiting for that reoccurring call from two and a half men. Yeah, so, yeah, when you know, like, then all throughout the career, you know, when they would say, oh, like, we're going to have you back. And it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, Ralph and I mean? have, like, a running – we have, like, a running joke of all the times. And this is this is not to say that they're, they're not going to have you back because it has worked that they – have had us back, but we just have this running joke when it's like, um, you know how sometimes you're, you knock it out of the park in the room and they, they just fall all over you and you walk out and you're like, well, see you at wardrobe. And then you never hear from them again. (laughs) (laughs) 
but it's all it's part like, of the journey. It is. It was like, that reminds me, um, because, you know, I have to boomerang at some point in the show, Ben, when I, I've always been very humble at auditions. I'm talking about the in-person auditions back in the day and ingratiating and polite and doing all the right things. And I got so cocky once at an audition because the, because I was working, doing a show. I was already on a show and I was auditioning in between, in a, during a break. So I was all full of myself because I already have a job and now I'm auditioning for another one. And when I left that audition, I said to the casting director, oh, so when are the callbacks? You know, just knowing, like, I was going to be called back, and I never heard from them again. So there you have it. You know, there's always a <laughs> Listen, Ben, I also wanted to laugh with you and go, you know that problem you're having saying your name? Why don't we go with Dan Vasquez, okay, and see how that works out for you, okay? And we'll just make Ben your middle name so you don't have to use it all the time. <laughs> Dan, there we go. People ask me all the time when, my, when they leave me voicemails. They said, is, is it – what is your name? Is it Dan or – and they think I'm Sweden. It's Sven sometimes. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Well, yeah, we were, I was just thinking when um, when you decided to go with your different last name, I never thought about <laughs> I never thought about changing the first name, but I think you did the right thing by keeping uh, keeping the the Ben Vasquez has been great. So, well, listen, buddy, I you know we could talk to you forever. The time flies. We I I, I turn around and the show's almost over. So. I just want to say thank you again and congratulations. Um, it you know, just keep up all the great work that you're doing. And again, thank you for for working us in tonight. I know you you've had a crazy crazy day. Everyone again, follow Ben on at Ben Vasquez underscore, and you'll be you'll have a great time following him on Instagram and uh, we'll be in touch. And good luck with everything. Have a great rest of your night, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, too, so much. It was such a pleasure. Thank you, buddy. Take care. Wow, that's another great show, Ralph. I I know that um, we're having these technical difficulties, but we're just rolling with it. So... Rolling thank you for you know hanging. What? Thank you for hanging in there because I see every time you drop, but the audience doesn't know it. Oh, okay. Because it's so ironic about these calls dropping. Remember that time I was on hold with Bank of America fraud for four hours and fourteen minutes. For, I mean, I exercised with my mother. I made her a meal. I did my steps. I did all these different laundry girl. I did all these things with my phone on me, never dropped the call once, right? Well, it's funny because people laugh at me that I, I, I like to keep a landline. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a digital landline through the cable, but I'm on the landline now because it's like I can always trust that the landline's probably never going to drop. So I use the landline because I like to – I like to keep my cell phone free during the day for business stuff. So I'll generally right. try to use the landline, you know, when I'm making out calls. 
I don't mean oh, well, wait, yeah, I don't mean alcohol. Um, well, Ralph, listen, we okay, now we've both been vaccinated, so I think with our mask, after Rose gets vaccinated and with our mask and our vaccinations, I think we could socially distance, you know, outside for a cup of coffee in LA somewhere. That would be so nice because I I saw what you meant about that the last time we saw each other was November of 2019. I couldn't believe it. And I thought, well, it makes sense, though. November, it was with Erica Davis. Yeah. Yeah, I had an in-person commercial thing across the street that day. Yes, on a motorcycle. 1035 or whatever. Yeah, so we – and then it was November, then December 2019, and then 2020. I mean, you know, everything went haywire. But so that all makes sense. I was like, God, I can't believe it's been that long. I mean, we got to see each other luckily the other day on a Zoom call, so that was fun to see each other, you know. So, um, but yeah, you're you and I, right we you. FaceTime with Jason Bernard that time on the show. Oh, right, right. You know. So, yeah, so. Yeah, so it's all going well. You know, we all had to go through what we went through, and it's the first time, you know, it'd be different. You know, it's like when we were born, if our parents had told us, oh, listen, you're probably going to go through a plague because it happens every 100 years, so you all are in the middle of it, girl. So, you know, it's like what would we have done? Just look forward to it like we do the impending earthquake. You would just, you know, keep living and um, hope for the best. Anyway, I was thinking today, I was telling Jennings today, all the babies that were born in 2020, you know, they're going to grow up knowing they were born during the 20, during the pandemic. It's kind of like, I remember Norma telling me one time, she was mentioning a friend and she goes, oh, you know, she was born during the Spanish flu, which was the last pandemic a hundred years ago. So it's right. like, wow. And, and, you know, part of the, I have to go back to last week when I stood in line for the, um, for the shot, there was a part of me that was like, you know what, this is history making. Like, I, I'm going to stand out here, one, because I'm getting this damn shot. But two, I feel like it's part of history. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm getting a shot for this pandemic. It's like when I remember uh, 2008, the first time, I guess 2008, Obama's first term. I remember Dennis and I literally stood in line for hours at the polling place in West Hollywood to – we wanted to be there in person, you know, to, to hopefully help history usher in the first black right. president. So it's, it, it's just amazing. But, well, listen, Ralph, no, thank you absolutely. so much as always. Have a great rest of thank your you. evening, everyone. You too, We yeah. will be back next week, same time, same place. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Planet Eartha. Thanks for checking out One-on-One with Jasper Cole. Check out past episodes and get the latest as they're released. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube.